Welcome to episode 179 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here. And this week, we're very proud to announce we've got Jim Wilson here. That's awesome. This is uh, pretty cool for both me and you because yes. we've been a long time follower of this guy. A fanboy moment for both of us. That's right. We're going to get into that here in just a bit. Before we do, as always, we are happily sponsored by Vitz Screen Printing and DEB Concerts. Vitz Screen Printing in Oklahoma City can print you t-shirts, hoodies, hats, anything you need of that sort. They do a lot of stuff for bands around the area, businesses, what, whatever you need. Hit them up on Facebook at Vitz Screen Printing. Tell them we sent you. We use them ourselves. That's right. Our t-shirts, proudly printed by Vitz Screen Printing. Which you can buy at thethunderunderground.com. Yeah, just get with us. Yeah. You cannot buy them at kissonline.com. No. Maybe one day. Hopefully. <laughs> I'll let Gene Simmons slap his logo on our shit and sell it on his website. Yeah, why not? Right. Yeah. But DEB Concerts is another sponsor of ours. A promoter here in Tulsa that brings in tons of kick-ass concerts. And the list just keeps on growing. Keeps on growing. Yeah, this week, in just another day or two, here at the Ideal Ballroom, July 13th, Dockin is returning. Rocket Science is opening up that, as well as Doxy. Both great openers. Both those bands have been on this podcast. Rocket Science actually opened for Dockin last time they came through. Yes. Chris McCarville from Dockin has been on this podcast. That's right. Well. Then later this month, we've got Steelheart, July 26th, at H Safari Joe's H2O Water Park. That's a... Uh, Outdoor event, obviously. Yeah. It's at the water park here in Tulsa. And it's a, as far as I think it's a, I don't know if it's 18 or 21 and up. It's an adults only yeah. thing that the water park does on Thursday nights, but still hard's part of that. On July 26th, Rocket Science is also opening that up. And then July 28th, two nights later, we've got Bisto Blanco at the Ideal Ballroom. It's free. That's free. That is a very good price, which means, like we've said every time, you have no excuse. You have no excuse to not go to any of these great shows, but especially when it doesn't cost you anything. That's right. That's right. And this one has Driver and Down for Five opening up. Both those bands as well have been on this podcast. Yes. And then what do we got? We got August 18th, Faster Pussycat with Don Jameson and Dead Metal Society opening that thing up. And then just announced this week... October 5th, Sebastian Bach with Monty Pittman. I know, that's insane. Yeah, two people that, you know, I didn't think could be coming to Tulsa anytime soon because I don't even remember the last time Sebastian Bach even played Tulsa. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And then just thinking, I've always thought it'd be cool to see Monty Pittman, but didn't really think that chance would come around. Yeah. So here we are. So we'll definitely be at that one. And then we've got also recently announced November 3rd, Kicks. Another amazing live band. Oh, man. That's going to be crazy. Who, it just, if you want the true definition of rock and roll. That's it. Go see a kick show. That's right. Then later on, not later on that month, about a month later, December 8th, we've got L.A. Guns with Junkyard. Fuck yeah. And that'll be another party. I saw L.A. Guns last time they came through. They were great. I've yet to see Junkyard, but I am highly anticipating. Yeah, I can't wait for Junkyard, man. That's going to be great. Yeah, their new album that came out last year is pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. And, of course, their first couple albums will knock you on your ass. So, yeah, all this great stuff is being brought to you by DEB Concerts. 
very happy that they're a sponsor and we'll keep letting you know everything they keep bringing our way. Hell yeah. All right, before we get into this talk about Jim Wilson, we're going to play some music for you. We're going to play this track by a brand new track, brand new single. He has a video out for it as well, but this is called Done So Much by Dusty Grant. i 
living this life Finding sunshine on the darkest of days Done So Much, the brand new single from Dusty Grant. Get on YouTube. He's got a video for that thing as well. It's a sequel to his last video. Good stuff from this guy. Yeah, know? for sure. He just got done with a, a Midwest tour with Sprout the Antihero. That's right. I talked about that recently because I was on that tour oh, yeah. with him as well. Gotta love it. Got to hear that song every night over that tour, and it was pretty cool. Definitely. So cool to hear this recorded version of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's rounded out. You know, it's got the full instrumentation. Uh, his voice is awesome. So, yeah, really glad we got to play it. Yeah, he's got that, that good kind of raw rock and roll voice, and he, this guy used to be a metal singer. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's kind of helps mm -hmm. to make this music, you know, because most of his music is, like, as he calls it, sad yeah. <laughs> sad boy rock or whatever yeah. he called it once. But, like, you know, you need the kind of voice to work with that, and he's definitely got it. Definitely. Look out for more stuff from Dusty. He's got other music out. Hit him up, DustyGrant.com. Follow him on Facebook and Twitter, Dust, at DustyGrant. You can't not find this guy. He's out there. That's right. Yeah, very happy to bring that to you. And also for everyone listening that's in the Tulsa area, he recently let us know that he will be back in November. Nice. The date and venue should be coming soon, but that show will be with Sprout the Anti-Hero once again. And it will be there. Yeah. And speaking of Sprout, he said he's putting together a tour right now that's going to take him up through the midwest and the into the east coast oh that's cool in october he said he's planning on like three three weeks or so and then in the midst of all that he's playing thunder underground fest i mean does which, it get any better yeah we don't mention that every show we need to start getting in the vein of yeah, doing that because it's, it's creeping up yeah it'll be here before you know it that's right two days of fantastic hard rock and heavy metal and punk rock that's right can't forget that at the shrine in tulsa october 19th and 20th you know, I don't have the list in front of me, so I don't want to just say a few bands, not the others. But like I said, we've got bands from Tulsa, Oklahoma City, coming in from Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah. Um, Fort Smith, Arkansas, yeah. Little Rock, Arkansas. So we've got all kinds of stuff here. We'll be mentioning more about that as the weeks pass. And we would love for you all to join us. Yeah. And it's a, I mean, we're talking 18 artists, or is it 17, 17 or 18 artists, and... The ticket price is $10 for both days. Gotta love it. I mean, you go see two can't, artists that... Can't go wrong. You go see two artists sometimes that aren't that good for $12. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is $2 less, and you get eight times as many artists, and every one of them kicks ass. Yep. Because we wouldn't bring you shit, people. We, we're not going to. It's not going to happen. That's right. And the return of Jason to the stage with the guitar around his neck. I guess so. It's going to happen. That's right. We're practicing tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, one little quick bit of news. We just found out that uh, Great White is without a singer currently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's. Well, no, they have a singer, Mitch Malloy. Was that that happened? I didn't even. Did look I not up. tag you? I tagged you in it like I... yesterday, and then you sent me the thing from Ter from Terry today. I didn't even so know I that. thought you knew. I didn't even know that until I sent you that thing. No, they sent. No, really. No, they, they, Great White announced Mitch Malloy yesterday and just said, you know, we wish Terry the best in his future endeavors. 
So see, I knew something before you did. Yeah. Son of a bitch. I don't know nothing about Mitch Malloy. All I know is he used to have a ton of pictures in Metal Edge back in the day. Right. Because, uh, um, <laughs> The, uh, that fucking seahorse used to run the thing. Fucking loved the shit out of him. Probably wanted to bone him. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So I don't know what he sounds like or nothing. Did they ever have the things in the back of Metal Edge where it's like when Mitch Malloy's leather pants like they did with Mark Slaughter? Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm and sure they did. Fucking Pete Loran. God. It, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> See, that's the kind of thing that fucking didn't give that kind of music any kind of validity. It did. That's the kind of thing where you kind of think, shit, it deserves to get made fun of. Yeah. Again, you can thank that goddamn fucking sea urchin that ran the fucking thing. <laughs> Anyways. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, Terry's voice is fucking amazing, but at, and he is a great blues singer, but mm-hmm. it, it didn't really sound, it didn't ever sound exactly like Great White because he didn't sound like yeah. Jack Russell, which you don't need to to be a good band. True. true. So it'll just be interesting to see. What happens with them? Yeah, now. we'll see. You, you know, know, I think maybe we need to get our our friend Mark Kendall. We might back need on to this get him podcast back for a third time. Explain some things. Yeah, just let us know what's up. I'm sure he'd do it. Yeah, he probably would. <laughs> he likes you. Yeah, well, he yeah. likes you too. Oh, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> All right, well, switching gears here, Jim Wilson. Yes. If you don't know who this guy is. There's a chance a lot of people might not. That's right. And that's always... Jim Wilson's one of those guys that's always bummed me out that a lot of people don't know who oh, he is. Oh, definitely. And I think that's the way that a lot of people feel. You know, I think that... Wasn't that the reason that... Kind of that Scott Ian said that they put together Motor Sister in the first place? Yeah. Just was to, to be able to bring this music out bring, to more bring people? Bring the music of Jim Wilson and Mother Superior to more people. Because it needed to be heard. It needs to be heard. Yeah. Well, a quick rundown. Jim Wilson... Had the band Mother Superior. Yes. Then, during the midst of that, Mother Superior became the Rollins Band. Yes. As the backing band with Henry Rollins. In the, what, they late did. 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I think when, it was six, seven, yeah. six, eight years. Yeah, when Rollins decided to kind of switch gears and get a whole new band, he got right. Mother Superior. They did two albums with him, several tours. Yes. They did the West Memphis Three album. Right, okay. There so was a yeah, backing three, band on that. So basically if three albums, out right? there, yeah. yeah. Which is, that's a great fucking record. It is. You know, I kind of forgot about all that, or I would have asked more about it, but, you know, in the... There's always next time. Yeah, in the span of everything he's done, it, that got lost in the shuffle. Something else that got lost in the shuffle was I, I had read about it recently and forgot to write it down mm-hmm. when we were thinking up things to talk about. That just this past month, about two weeks before his new album came out, Pearl's new album came out. Yeah. And he played the whole thing yeah. and co-wrote the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He does stuff with Pearl, uh, Scott Ian's wife. Uh, so, in you know, Mother Superior, not only did they back Henry Rollins, they backed Daniel Lenoir. And, uh-huh. uh, I mean, they've done so much stuff and uh, – this guy really needs to be heard, and he's got a new record called Now Playing, and it's really fucking great. Uh, so we're glad to have him on here. Yeah. Speaking of Pearl, she's also part of Motor Sister. Yes, didn't yes. Really, I mean, we kind of mentioned. It yeah, yeah. kind of goes in there together. If you're not familiar with Motor Sister, and you love the rock, the hard rock, and metal, you got to dig this, because yes. it's fantastic music, like we've already said, because it's Jim Wilson's music from Mother Superior. But the band features Scott Ian 
from Anthrax, Joey Vera from Armored Saint, John Tempesta from The Cult, and pretty much every other band you've ever heard yeah, of. Oh, shit. Um, who am I forgetting? Pearl. Pearl. Yeah. So, Chuck, they've got an album out that came out about three years ago now. Three, yeah, I think so. That's fantastic. Yeah, Unbelievable. It's fucking super. You can put it on and hit repeat and listen to it like seven times in a row and it never gets old. Yeah. And then he mentions in here, of course, that later this year they're going to be recording their second album. Which I can't wait for. Which is news I didn't really think I would hear. So I'm yeah. extremely happy about that. Yeah, no shit. But, yeah, and we also mentioned later in this interview that we got the chance to see Mother Superior at least once. I saw him a few times. Did you really? Yeah, because anytime, anytime you saw Rollins' band, Mother Superior opened. Oh, that's right. And I saw them at the well, other side my... back in the day. I saw them at Kane's Barroom. Yeah, I saw that other side show, but I don't think I was at that Kane's one. Though. Yeah. No, yeah, because no one would fucking go to that Kane's when I went by myself. I don't remember why. None of you go. motherfuckers wanted to go. It's not so, a matter of not wanting to go. Fuck I had to all have... you guys. No, listen I had to here. Have a legitimate reason. Yeah, I'm sure it if was we're legitimate. talking about Rollins' band and Jesus Mother Superior. Jesus Christ. That's it. Trying to make me look bad now. Maybe I am. Maybe you need to look bad for missing that shit. <laughs> That's that right. That was an amazing show. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Like Jason said, now playing. Brand new album just came out, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. So get on all the, everywhere you can consume music and buy this thing. You can also get on, you know, his stuff and order vinyls, all that great stuff. He sent us both a vinyl, which we're very thankful for. Thank you very much. Yes, definitely. So yeah, now playing. It's got features Phil Jones on the whole album, playing drums, mm -hmm. producing. And then it's also got guest appearances from Mark Ford, formerly of the Black Crows, now the Magpie Split. Then it's got Mike Campbell, formerly of the Heartbreakers. Well, yes. forever of the Heartbreakers. That's right. And then now of Fleetwood Mac. Yes, definitely. But yeah, so look this thing up. It's a... Like 35 minutes of just amazing fucking rock and roll music. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Just good rock and roll. Yep. Let's get into this. Here's Jim Wilson. It almost went too smooth, you know. I got to uh, open the show with a couple of acoustic songs and had some guests, and then the band came on, and uh, we did the album back to front, front to back, and uh, I had a killer band. Uh, Phil Jones is the drummer and the producer, uh, a guy that I've admired for years and just uh, got to know him in the past couple of years. But um, he kind of put together the band based on players that were on the album and you know some other i played most of the bass on the record but uh a guy named michael Manell played on two songs and but he played the whole set and he's monster bass player and, and great singer too and we had uh gia chambodi who used to sing with springsteen and she's a great soulful background singer and she loves the music so everybody gave it 100 percent and uh it was a free show, so like everybody I've ever known in Los Angeles was there. So it was kind of like having a huge birthday party or something, you know. But uh, <laughs> it sounded great, and the music went great. So, did you guys have any rehearsals, or was that just a 
jump we right had a into couple, it. Kind of thing. A couple rehearsals. The saxophone player was out of town. He's been he plays with uh, Joe Bonamassa, and he, oh. he also plays uh, in that David Bowie tribute thing that's traveling everywhere right now. And uh, he didn't make the rehearsals, but he's so good that you know he played all over the record too. So uh, other than that, everybody uh, rehearsed a bit. We got to uh, make a few mistakes before we uh, played in front of people. And we and a great guitar player, too, named Robert Davis, uh, who's played with Wadi Wachtel, which I first saw Phil Jones play with also. And, and Robert just kind of helped me to be able to just sing by playing a lot of rhythm guitar and some solos, too. So it was super fun for me. Yeah, well... You mentioned Phil Jones a couple of times, and he he produced now playing. Like, talk about what he brought to the table. Uh, well, let's see. I'll take it back to uh, I used to go see Wadi Wachtel's All Star Band at, uh, on Pico all the time. They used to play like every Monday night, and Phil Jones was playing drums. And I'm, I always used to watch Phil the most when I would go see that band. And, and Wadi's such a great guitar player, and you know Bernard Fowler was up there, and all kinds of great singers and players, but. I would just watch Phil going, man, that guy is a great rock and roll drummer, like, you know, uh, like Phil Rudd from ACDC or something, you know, just solid rock. And um, finally got to talk to him a few years later when he was playing with uh, Peggy Young, who is now Neil Young's ex-wife, but uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> and uh, we were in Toronto together and we, we played a festival and uh, got to have lunch in the, the artist area or whatever. And that's when I first remember talking to him and telling him how great, you know, he also plays on Roy Robeson's You Got It and, and uh, some, he plays a percussion on some stone stuff and, you know, and he's just so solid. He was with the heart, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He played percussion with them since the third album. And then, of course, he played all the drums on Full Moon Fever. But, uh, you know, one day he just got in touch on Facebook and said, um, we should jam sometime. And I said, where do you jam? And he said, I have a, a studio here at my place, bring some songs. So I uh, brought some songs over and we recorded a few that day and then just kept going. And we did, uh, when, we, when we said, okay, we have an album, we had 18 songs recorded and we have more now, but uh, you know, it was great to cut out there's some really good stuff in the other eight songs that didn't make the album, but you know, if if they rise to the top, they'll come next time, you know. But uh, I'm excited for some other new stuff we've been working on as well. So he's just a great friend, you know, and, and I go over there and, and bring my guitars, and he his drums are always set up and ready to record, and uh, I, I play him the song maybe two, three times, and then he's already like you know ready to go and always lays down a, a, a great track and then we just kind of build it from there. And he, uh, as a producer too, I mean, you know, it's his studio, I walk away at the end of the night and Phil keeps going, you know, he can go out there anytime and mess around with stuff and, you know, have production ideas and have vocal ideas. And even after we recorded a bunch of the tracks we knew we were gonna use, we. Phil bought a new microphone for a studio and we went up to this cabin in Riverside and, and redid all the, the vocals again, you know, just trying to get a better sound and, and better performances and and that kind of stuff, you know, for me, 
as the, the I hate to say artist, but as the songwriter or whatever, I, you always kind of want to go, once you're satisfied, you want to go, okay, that's it. But uh, he keeps searching, you know, and uh, the end result is, uh, is awesome. So I guess uh, through, through that is how the collaboration with Mike Campbell came about? It is, yeah. Uh, Mike uh, was doing some demos at his home studio and uh, called Phil to play drums and asked him if he knew a bass player. And, you know, I, I played bass with Daniel Lanois, so I've been starting to become known as a, a bass player outside of being a guitar player for people that, you know, aren't familiar with my music, but listen to Daniel or whatever. So uh, I was brought along to play bass on Mike's demos and then we hung out and did a bunch of songs and then put on Honeysuckle at the end and he just ripped it up and just kept adding stuff. And you know, it was a, it was a really cool song before that, but uh, those kind of guitar stabs that he added on the chorus were all his idea, you know? So I can't even imagine hearing it now without that, you know? So definitely walked away happy that night you know still waiting for more but now he's in Fleetwood Mac so we'll never hear from him again <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh I just got to hear Honeysuckle on Joe Elliott's radio show he's always been a supporter of my music and uh it was just on before I talked to you guys so he he's he likes a bunch of songs on the album and he's originally gonna play Energy and that's what he told me and it was a nice surprise to hear Honeysuckle but uh He's got a serious XM show too, so he's going to be playing different songs. Oh, that's awesome! That's great. Yeah, yeah. Everything you know. Finally, people are hearing the album because you know, like I said, once we trimmed down the songs to pick the final playlist, uh, then the mixing began, and then I was on the road with Daniel Lamois last year for six months. So, um, Phil and this guy named Eli were were mixing the tracks and. Uh, sending them to me on the road and, and it was just better than I ever thought they could be. So that was easy for me to just, you know, kick back and, and know that these guys were committed to doing great mixes. So then once we had that done, it, you know, you got to do artwork and that's another couple months or whatever, yeah. you know, because everything's got to line up. And so we were, we've just been so excited. We finally delivered the record to the uh, vinyl pressing plant and, uh, and they said, oh, it's eight to 10 weeks, you know, and it's like, oh, fuck. Sorry, can you say fuck on your show? Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, everything, everything came smoothly, you know, we, we uh, decided on a, a release date and through all my records that I've released in the past, all the catalog that I, you know, have had as a record label, I have digital distribution worldwide, so I've been putting that to use too, but getting these records out that way too because as much as I love vinyl I know that people stream and download hopefully download you know in the scheme of things so just wanted to make it available for everybody you know yeah we literally got the vinyl in the mail about 10 minutes before uh, this interview oh nice perfect <laughs> so thank you very much yeah thank you <laughs> oh thank you guys nice to talk to you guys yeah, so I'm a huge fan of the Black Crows, so I thought it was really cool to see Mark Ford on several of these songs as well. Oh yeah, tell me about it. It's a, <laughs> it's a trip for me too, you know. And we've uh, we've done a couple other songs uh, now as well. Uh, after the 18, you know, me and Phil have probably done 
four or five more since then. Uh, sometimes just for fun, like if it's a big, uh, a big rocker, we'll just record it. Uh, and you never know. And sometimes you get sick of doing ballads, but sometimes if the ballad's good, you can't deny it, you know? So, uh, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago, right after Mark had, uh, finished recording a bunch of magpie salute stuff, uh, him and Phil talked and, and, Mark said he would come over to record, and I think Phil assumed that it meant that Mark was bringing some tunes over. So Phil called me and said, hey, do you want to play bass on some of this Mark Ford stuff tomorrow or, or whatever it was, Tuesday? And uh, it's like, hell yeah. So uh, I showed up. You know, I think I partied a little too much the night before, so I was a little kind of you know, groggy, <laughs> but but excited to, to play bass for Mark Ford. You know, And, uh, and Mark showed up, and... He was like, so what are we doing today? And, and <laughs> Phil said, oh, I thought we were doing a couple of your songs or something. He's like, oh, I don't have any songs. I just did the Magpie record, so I don't have anything. And, and Phil goes, okay, we'll do one of Jim's songs. And it was like, ah, uh, give me a second to, to think about it later. But anyway, we ended up doing two songs that day, and Mark was like uh, a superstar and totally just like doing like, you know, rhythm acoustic tracks and then putting on solos and just uh one was kind of a ballady thing and one was a rocker and he started producing my vocal and said he really believed in the song and uh we we still haven't finished it yet but we will so that's coming up too so uh it, you know to me it's like wow mark ford knows my name which is which is crazy and to hear the tracks come back with uh him on one side of the speaker and me on the other you know at the end of energy or whatever it's that's that's nuts you know and yeah. uh one other quick story that i'll just share that was confirmed i remember thinking that i heard phil say this early on and then um it was confirmed one of the last times phil was talking about it uh but uh the first time phil played disillusion for mark before he played on it he immediately said funkadelic which is like the greatest compliment that could ever be. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a huge Black Rose fan too. And, and uh, he, we were, you know, I got to ask him some crazy questions when we were outside that I probably can't repeat, you know, about <laughs> the whole situation. But he was super excited about the record. And, you know, it's going to be a good thing. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad those guys are playing together again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I got to say, I, I love the song, I Can't Hear You, and maybe this speaks to my lack of diversity, yes, uh, but you're welcome. But the flute in it, I really dug, I hadn't heard that in something <laughs> in quite a while, so talk about how that came about. I thought that was well, really cool. It is funny, it is funny, because uh, it was Phil's idea, uh, and I think the very first time that Phil mentioned to me that we should have a flute solo. I know this guy, they can do a flute solo. And in my mind, I was a little bit like, kind of like, oh, a flute solo? I'm not sure, you know? I mean, you know, and then when it happened, it was so good and, and uh, real and soulful that then I realized how many great songs that I love that do have flute on it, you yeah. know? And, and it has been getting a great response, you know? And I have, uh, I have, uh, lots of friends whose diversity is questionable sometimes, you know, and, <laughs> they, uh, you know, and, and that's always on my mind too, because, you know, as a rocker, I've had, I've actually had like, you know, reviews in the past from people saying, you know, Oh, stop writing soul music or, you know, just rock, you know? And it's like, I, you know, 
I love rock and roll. And to me, rock and roll is soul music or whatever you want to call it. I, right. I call something soul music if I can feel it. I'm not necessarily putting any category on anything, you know. But uh, I don't know. To me, I just felt like if I can't put out records under my own name that that do whatever I want to do, then uh, there's really no point in doing it. I can, you know, have the outlet of doing heavy rock in a few different places. And it just seems to me like I, I should take chances when it's just my name, you know, even if it's a an acoustic record or whatever it might be, just do whatever I want to do. So uh, my nephew, who's new to Southern California, he's in his mid twenties and, you know, he heard it and he's like, the flute solo is my favorite part of the whole record, you know? So, <laughs> you know, it's a different generation there too, you know? And I, and uh, we are uh, going to get together at the end of this year and do a, a second motor sister record. So now I'm fully in like, you know, saving up my, rock riffs you know everywhere i go just kind of you know keeping my ears open for things so that's super exciting too yes yeah, so i saw your post a few days ago that henry Rollins listened to the album with you i was just wondering what his comments were oh man it was great he was uh we didn't even plan on listening to it uh i ran into him just uh by accident uh, a few weeks before and, and i told him when my record came through i would bring copies and his assistant Heidi is a big fan too and she's always super excited so I was going to bring records by to the office and just say hi and then he uh busted it open it's like should we put this on and he's got like a half million dollar stereo system it's like incredible you know yeah. there's like these like you know power amps for each speaker you know what I mean just and uh it was we it was so loud that it was you could hear like the vinyl surface noise more than ever just because it was cranked so so loud when we listened to it and he was uh jumping up and he loved the horn stuff and you know we listened to the whole thing and he's gonna do a starting september 1st he's gonna do a different song on his radio show each week so he already put energy in for that september 1st show oh that's great yeah he's super cool and he was gonna come to the uh the party and then I told him it was 10 o'clock and he said you kids are up too late for me but I'll make the next one <laughs> <laughs> well, well how is it I mean he, you know Henry Rollins or just anybody listening to the album with somebody watching their face and you know hoping they react uh, well to it it's and hard it's hard you know I, hoping they're not just mind. telling you what you want to hear yeah no I, I believe Henry you know I, yeah. we've been through so much together but yeah it's hard for me to uh, to sit there and listen to it sometimes I, I probably had my head turned to the right, you know, the whole time, just <laughs> trying to act like I was into the music because, you know, I, I'm trying not to see the facial expressions or whatever. But, you know, there there were questions about who's playing what and things like that that came up. So it, it was cool to uh, just like two armchairs just sitting side by side, you know, listening. And he's heard so much from the very earliest days. You know, uh, the very first thing that he heard was uh, a Mother Superior four track demo CD. And then, you know, by the time that we actually put out something that was properly recorded, he wrote the liner notes for that album. So he was involved, you know, he was mm -hmm. listening to the, the rough mixes and everything. So, and then by the time, uh, a couple albums later, he was producing and he was trying to take us to places that we never been before musically say, you know, usually because 
Mother Superior was always on a budget, so we were always running in and out of a studio because we didn't have label support or anything. But by the time Henry came around, we, you know, we had more time to record and make things sound better and do weird stuff with the voices and, you know, different tones for the guitars mm-hmm. and stuff we never thought of. We always set up live and just recorded exactly the way we sounded. So that whole growth was because of him. And then not to mention him taking us on the road for however many, six years and, you know, doing all those sweaty shows, <laughs> super sober and, you know, hardworking, you know, so that put something in all of us too that just made our work ethic better, period, you know, just because we were with him. And I, I said a few things to him the other day. He doesn't like to hear it, but, you know, I was talking about just all the DIY things that I do as well. And it's really all because of him and, you know, just the inspiration that we all got from him when we were angry teenagers, you know, trying to find an outlet and trying to find people with with like minds or whatever. So, you know, he'll always be my, my brother, you know? Yeah. Well, so how, how was that like, you know, with Rollins or Daniel Lenoir from, you guys are a three-piece band doing your own thing to having to be kind of a backing band or, you know, having a, a different <laughs> voice now. I mean, how, how was that transition? It was, uh, well, it was a relief, to be honest, because, you know, <laughs> we had, because <laughs> we, uh, like I said, you know, Mother Superior was unique. So I think that we were so kind of against the grain that it it worked against us sometimes but you know on the same whatever it also we had people that really believed in what we were doing so we were always trying to hang in there but you know meanwhile all of our heroes and all of our peers are like going on the road and we're we're playing a little bar down the street and chasing people out because we're so fucking loud you know what i mean (laughs) but it was fun it was fun but you know we were so inspired by like humble pie and mc5 and and whatever that I mean, kiss of course so we, we always wanted to play you know uh arena style and that's the way it was supposed to sound anyway we were a power trio i mean that was all it was to it we could have uh, had another guitar player and and turned down to like you know have a nice balance but no it was all about you know everybody trying to outbash the other guy and then i had to sing over top of it you know so not only was um it nice to be recognized by these other guys and such complete opposites too, you know, that recognize that we were kind of a, a unit. So, and it made it easy too, because, uh, I, I didn't have to fire anybody or tell anybody that they're not needed or, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're welcome to come along for the ride, you know? So that made it easy, but, uh, it was a trip and we did the, uh, the rise above thing the black flag tribute thing that was the last time we toured with henry and and that was so intense and you know the fans were so into it and we had to work so hard every night and then went right out and played with dan right after that uh for the first time in austin texas and it was a completely different thing you know and that was uh genius night too we got to play with richie havens we did freedom that he did at Woodstock with him. And, uh, you know, everybody was at that show in Austin from Billy Gibbons to uh, 
Steve Gorman from the Black Crows. I bought him a beer that night. He asked for a Shiner Bach, and I didn't even know what it was. So I had to ask the bartender. I said, a Shiner Bach? Now I know. Nice. <laughs> well, well uh, you know, what came first for you? Was it guitar or, or singing, or did, did singing just come out of necessity? Uh, well, yeah, my dad played guitar, so there were always guitars around the house. Gotcha, yeah. And at first I... Uh, my first instrument that I got was drums when I was a super kid, like eight or something, you know. But that soon became, uh, and I played drums pretty good, but I, you know, I wanted to sing and play guitar. I, it just became more important. Or maybe I was the one that could do it in the neighborhood or whatever, but just trying to get like the other music-minded kids to come over and jam so it always ended up somebody would play the drums and i would play guitar and sing so i guess that's how that started and then you know even when i came to california i, I really uh just wanted to i love music so much and all different kinds of music that i thought that i was going to explore songwriting as a sole profession like you know i played in bands before I left Delaware with my friends and stuff. And I just, uh, until I met Jason McEnroe, the drummer, the first drummer of Mother Superior, I, you know, I never even really said, oh, would you get a band and start playing clubs or whatever. So I kind of wanted to be a songwriter and just do like record demos all the time and, you know, try to give those to people. And, you know, somehow maybe that's happening more now than ever after all this time. But, uh, but, you know, it just turned into, like, maybe my songs are too weird for anybody else, so maybe I should start playing in the band. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, uh, something else I didn't mention yet is I'm uh, going to be writing songs, or I am writing songs for Bernard Fowler, who is the Rolling Stones background singer. I don't, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's been with the Stones since 89, I think, and he basically sings everything with Mick. But uh, he uh, called me and asked me if I'd write songs for his next album. So I've been coming up with a bunch of stuff for him. And then he got called away to do the Stones tour. And as soon as he gets done with those jokers, then uh, we can start making some music. (laughs) (laughs) When you're writing for someone else like that, do you just listen to a lot of their stuff to get inspiration? Or how do you? No, I I try not to. I mean, I'm familiar with Bernard's stuff, uh, but I try... uh, the conversation I had with him, I said, what kind of stuff do you want? And he, his response was, uh, you know what kind of stuff I want. I said, I know what kind of stuff you want. So I've just been coming up with stuff that I know that are maybe mutual influences and, you know, a little bit rock and roll and a little bit funky and a little bit Marvin Gaye and a little bit Rod Stewart or whatever, you know. Yeah. So I, I just try to think of it like that, you know, just come up with some grooves that – he'll respond to he told me he's been singing some stuff in hotel rooms and you know i think they're almost finished they have two more shows or something and he'll be back in la but uh you know he's a busy man too so uh but it'll happen more this year too so uh for me it's like dream come true to uh have an outlet for all these different melodies and things you know i work hard on them well you mentioned that Motor Sister is going to record a second album later this year, mm-hmm. and I saw you guys have that show in September. Yeah, is this just we're something? We're doing the show a, first. Okay, we're doing. Yeah, we're just doing a, a show just to uh, do it again, and then uh, right after that, we're going in to a studio for a couple of days to write 
and work on some riffs that are laying around and play them live together and see what's happening, you know, maybe go through a bunch of things in a couple of days and, and listen to what we did and then uh, figure out which ones are sticking out. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be all new material. Last time, it, of course, it was, uh, you know, a yeah. collection of old Mother Superior songs. But uh, yeah, we want to do a bunch of new stuff and I'm excited to write with everybody and incorporate everybody more. And also, I really want it to just be kick-ass, high-energy rock and roll, you know, just so if we keep that in mind, too, and, and you know, it's got to be good or it's got to be, you know, better than whatever that was, like a greatest hits, you know what I mean? So so it might take a little bit of work, but uh, I wrote a bunch of things last year when we first talked about, yes, we're going to do a second record. And then, you know, same thing. Uh, Anthrax has been so successful recently and uh, as have the cults, you know, and Joey's band, Armored Saint 2, have been super busy. So it's not like, you know, everybody's sitting around going, no, we don't want to do it. It's totally, you know, everybody's got a, a schedule. And then as soon as, you know, as soon as one thing is successful, you know, it always gets followed by something else. So that, that's just that's just the way it is. So we've been patient and uh, I did a bunch of things at home before and sent them to everybody and got some good response on a couple of those. So we've got a good uh, starting point. And then the best part about it will be seeing what comes up in the next few months as the idea gets closer. It's kind of like I get excited, you know, I can just take a walk and, and just think about what I want a track to sound like on the album. And, you know, sometimes you can just come up with a riff in your head just from letting it be natural, you know. So are you guessing that'd be like a 2019 release probably? Uh, 2019, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time it would all get recorded and right. mixed and, you know, come up with a title. That always takes, the title takes three months, you know. <laughs> it's hard, you know. And everybody's, it's not like a, it's not like a, a problem thing. It's just everybody's trying to come up with the best thing, you know. So I think we, maybe we should just call it Motor Sister Two. Yeah, <laughs> easy. I mean, yeah, you know, and it kind of just is kind of it's just one of those one of those twos. Hey, if it's good enough for Led Zeppelin, it's good enough for yeah. everybody, right? And Van Halen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking like guys like Scotty and Tempesta, Joey Vera, Henry Rollins, Mike Campbell, Phil. Jones, all these guys span the gamut. Are there any people out there that you would love to work with or at least, uh -huh. you know, get on stage with? Oh, man, there's tons. Uh, but, you know, I've also uh, been in, in touch with Cheap Tricks drummer Dax Nielsen, uh, Rick's son, and that's been a thrill for me, too. You know, I try not to talk too much about his dad when I when I see him, but uh, he's super <laughs> cool, and, and he likes the music, and, you know, uh, Cheap Tricks is one of my favorite bands of all time, so, you know, I would always think about you know playing guitar and just watching uh i've met those guys just in passing and and played with them with rollins and played with them with wayne kramer and you know had a few conversations but you know they're cheap tricks so they got a lot of other stuff on their mind and you know i've always said i've never met a beetle and i've never met a rolling stone and they're my two favorite bands uh obviously i'm not going to play with the beatles anytime soon but uh and i'm not going to play with the rolling stones either but you know maybe bernard might be able to get ronnie wood to play on a track on the record or something if we start recording some stuff and i, I have you know there's still a lot I, I 
I talk a lot about, you know, there's a song on the record called No Heroes Anymore, and, and I've lost a lot of my heroes just, you know, from death and, you know, maybe uh, also their musical genius has died, you know, or whatever, but I still got some out there. Little Richard, uh, you know, I'd like to sing a song of Little Richard one day. Before that's not possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, I'm sure there's more. We kind of Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, if you're listening. A funny <laughs> right. story though. When we uh, after we finished recording at Mike Campbell's house, we uh, went to have Thai food at this place around the corner that he loves, and uh, we were. It was me, Mike Campbell, and Phil Jones, and I was getting a bunch of insider stories, listening to those guys reminisce and whatever. And uh, Paul McCartney's drummer, Abe Laboreal Jr., walked up to our table with his hands folded to Mike and said, sorry to bother you. I just want to say I'm a huge fan. And we were like, we're huge <laughs> fans, you know, so that, that was pretty cool. And that was only because uh, uh, of Mike Campbell that he recognized Mike Campbell or whatever, but he was there with his whole family, his mom and his dad. And he brought them over to the table and introduced them to on the way out. And that was sweet. <laughs> Never a dull moment in Hollywood. That's right. Never. <laughs> <laughs> We kind of alluded to it earlier, talking about streaming and stuff, but a lot has changed since you entered the music business with the way music's consumed. Are you, yeah. do you like the state of things now or? Well, uh, what can I say? Yes. I mean, it's pretty amazing that it's so, uh, yeah, we were talking about digital distribution and, you know, all I have to do is download wave files and artwork into my computer and send them to my distributor and say the release date is June 29th and then boom, it's everywhere, you know, that day. So that's amazing. You know, I've been, uh, utilizing my, my label. Also, uh, my friend Rocco DeLuca, who I don't know if you know, he's a great guitar player, great singer. Uh, he's made a lot of records and, um, he was looking for an outlet for some of his live off the floor material. And, uh, he was putting it up on Bandcamp and some other sites. And I suggested, uh, hey, if you want to release stuff through my label, it'll be on Spotify, Pandora, everywhere the day it's released. And I told him, I'll give you the best record deal ever. It's it's all you. Like, you know, I, it's just as long as there's no work for me, I can just put up your stuff. And if you want to promote it, that's all you and your money or whatever. But uh it's cool that I have like a little label that's so easy to deal with because even in the, the mother superior days, I was always, we were independent. So we would have to press our own records and things like that. And we had to deal with distributors. And so I kind of have that, uh, and I worked in record stores for years, so I have that knowledge, but, um, it's a new world. And, you know, every time you get into an Uber or whatever, they're either listening to Pandora or Spotify and, uh, I have to get in touch with my my digital people tomorrow or Monday because uh, there's another artist named Jim Wilson who's basically a new age. We were pianist. just talking about we that. We talked about that today because yeah, yeah. when you look up your name, it's a different dude. But then yeah, your yeah. album cover under it. Yeah, yeah, it's it <laughs> all mixed up. That's the computer a computer problem, you know. And he's my Facebook friend. We've had conversations, and our music is so different. But that's the thing on Pandora. Uh, it's different than Spotify where uh, if somebody looks up my name on Pandora, it'll say Jim Wilson mix 
and you'll get one of his tunes, you'll get one of my tunes, wow. and you'll get two of his tunes, and you'll get one of my tunes, you'll get three of his tunes. And it's like, yeah, uh, somehow, you know, we're different enough that there's got to be a way to change that. And that well, that's a TBA. I'll let you know how that goes. But that's the world we're dealing with now, you know. Uh, and fortunately, um, it's worthy enough to to press vinyl these days. And uh, I just got a, a distribution deal for my vinyl, too. So it'll be coming out. It'll be available through City Hall Records in the U.S. and Canada. So that's kind of a relief for me, too, because uh, we sold a lot of pre-orders and I was, you know, taking a lot of records to the post office and that was getting old. <laughs> but no, I appreciate it. But, you know, it's nice to, to have somebody that we can uh, turn the records over to and get them in the stores, you know, without having to do any of that kind of work. So it's still, it's a, it's a, it's a game and... Uh, just trying to still figure it out. And the only thing I can figure so far is just to embrace it all. So that's what I've been trying to do. Was this something you think you would do more shows across the country or is it? Well, for sure. We, we got another LA show coming up uh, in a month or so as part of the international pop overthrow festival that goes on here every year. And uh, after that, I, I say yes, I would love to. And I'm, I'm talking to someone today about some possible Canadian things, and uh, but again, you know, the motor sister thing is going to be right around the corner too. And if we get involved in something, it's you know, it's always that you know you're fortunate to have the work. But uh, when it comes down to um, being involved in multiple things, then you always kind of have to think ahead a little bit. You know, it's good to be busy, but it's always like, oh, I can't do it that time or whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I assume it'd be hard to ever get Motor Sister out on the road do, when you're dealing with five people's completely different schedules, you know? Yeah, I see a little light, though, because I feel like everybody's uh, kind of coming to a close of all the, the things they've been doing. Obviously, Anthrax has been on the road for a long time, and they'll probably get together and make another record soon. But, you know, unless they did a Greatest Hits tour or something, it's probably time for a little bit of a break, you know what I mean? I'm not sure, but... It seems like Scott has enough on his uh, enough opening on his schedule. Uh, it's just uh, it just so happened that Scott and Pearl were driving around and uh, listening to the, the first Motor Sister album and just said, "Fuck, it's time to do it." So everybody just said, "Yes, please." Well, I don't mean to fanboy out on you here during this interview. Oh no, but please. One of the one of the shows I still tell people about to this day was a mother superior show we saw in austin like man was it 2002 i think i think so yeah you guys played a oh, tiny wow. place that used to be a gas station i think it was called yeah. oh, wow the filling, the filling station. station yeah during oh, south by southwest yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow and it was fucking cool. amazing so that was the uh, original lineup which yeah 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 understandably right. yeah you know they never knew what to do with us uh i always thought it was funny that when we started they compared us to Grand Funk Railroad or whatever. And I love Grand Funk Railroad, but it was kind of like a bummer to like, you know, just get a sentence somewhere and say like, this is the new Grand Funk Railroad. It's like, what? Because, yeah, <laughs> you know, that, you just yeah, think like yeah. you're, you're doing something that, you know, we had some current-ness about us or whatever, but, you know, we never knew what it was. But anyway, once we started playing with Henry and then Wayne Kramer after that, then it became, all of a sudden they were, we were a punk band, you know, a punk hard rock band or whatever you know so just funny how how you get seen through people's eyes so that might have had something to do with it because the, the press never knew what to call us or how to promote us so if uh 
if the local paper in Austin said, you know, you know, butt rock trio, Mother Superior coming to the whatever the club, then, you know, that might have said why people didn't come, you know what I mean? <laughs> or we might have just drove them out because we were so loud. We were loud, right? Yeah, <laughs> very. <laughs> yeah, we had, it was always, you know, it just, it was impossible. It was an impossibility to scale us down because once we got on stage together, uh, I remember going to San Francisco once and we were opening for some band and we were driving to San Francisco six hours and all talking, getting all serious and saying, you know, well, when we get there tonight, you know, it's going to be a nice crowd. So let's, you know, let's take it easy, you know, and ease into it, try not to lose anybody, keep the crowd going and then, you know, bring it up and bring it up and bring it up. And then, you know, first note, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, it was 10 right away. So it was impossible to take us. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and the songs called for it as well. I mean, if you did, if you had to do those songs as, you know, soft bar rock or whatever, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have the soul or the energy or whatever it was that we found when we played that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Well, that's cool. I'm glad you guys got to see uh, that lineup. I love the second drummer, Matt Techie, who's just as great. But I, I, you know, I, I just feel like the original trio were the were the friends that started that band, and you know, that's where the magic came from from that original uh, take on it. And Matt did a great job of, of taking over, and we made some great records with Matt too. But you know. Uh, it was uh, blood, sweat, and tears to get the original band lineup off the ground, and we were doing it because we we all loved the music, and we were hanging out together as friends, and listening to music together, and applying that to the music, you know, rather than say <clears throat> later on when the band had been making eight to ten records, and you know, you're talking to small labels that are trying to help you and they're trying to figure out like oh maybe you guys should try like a food fighters kind of thing and it's like what are you talking about you know what i mean so <laughs> so so it was always hard because there was a it, there was an image that wasn't a, a something we did on purpose it was just you know uh, a trio rock band and you know we couldn't add strings or you know a flute solo we would have never had a flute solo <laughs> <laughs> so you know there's the musical freedom through the years <laughs> but i appreciate it that's nice to hear i'm glad you guys caught that oh, i yeah, probably definitely. have a recording of it somewhere because i used to have this little mini disc recorder that i took with me everywhere i went and i would record all the shows you know and it's kind of like uh it just sits in the back of the closet there's like two boxes full of them and i and you know it would it would be too weird for me to uh, sit down and and relive all of that, you know, uh, yeah. plus all that. And then I have probably a hundred Rollins shows too of that kind of thing. But those are funny too, because we used to play the same set all the time. So if you hear one, that hurt them all. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you were there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't feel like sitting down and listening to a hundred of those. <laughs> cool, man. We definitely appreciate you taking the time to do this. Hey, thanks very much. I'm glad that you guys are uh, up and running and doing so well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. There you go, Jim Wilson of Motor Sister, of Mother Superior, formerly of the Rollins Band. That's right. And, of course, of his solo music as well, which exactly. is amazing. Like we said before we kick this off, 
big honor for both of us, both big fans. And, you know, it's a guy that we had crossed our minds previously about being on his podcast, but just didn't really look into it. And then mm. when we saw he had this solo album coming out, decided to reach out to him. So big thanks to Jim Wilson for agreeing to be on here and talking to us for a good 40 minutes there and looking forward to having him back down the line to talk about more stuff. Definitely. Yeah. It, it came together pretty quick. And, you know, like you said, we were stoked to have him on, uh, you know, Mother Superior was one of the best live bands I've ever seen in my life. They were electric and they were fucking something about the three of those guys. The stars lined up and it was, uh, again, a huge honor to have them on. Yeah. Another, just go check, just go Google them or whatever. Yeah. They've got several albums. If you can get your hands on an album called Sin. That's right. You'll fucking, you'll, you'll thank us. That's right. That album is fucking amazing. Yeah, that's your homework now. Mother Superior Sin, yes. Motor Sister Ride, and Go Jim Wilson it. now playing. Yes. These three albums you need to listen to before this weekend ends. <laughs> if you don't, you're an asshole. There will be a quiz, motherfuckers. Right. Yeah, on the next episode, <laughs> it features, who is it? Uh, Who'd you say was going to be on the next episode? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. You said that last time. Oh, I did? Yeah. Jesus, when I you had a few, remember. you had a few beers. Like that, that would be, that would be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I haven't had any beers today, so. <laughs> but yeah, once again, thanks to Jim Wilson. Look all that stuff up that we talked about. Do it. Thanks again to DB Concerts and to Vit Screen Printing, ugh, screen printing <laughs> for sponsoring us. <laughs> and if this is your first time listening, of course, thanks to you. And if you're a many-time listener, we love you guys, of course, as well. Get on thethunderunderground.com. You can find everything there, all our social medias, all the previous podcasts, the merch. We've got T-shirts, koozies, stickers, all that great stuff. Grab them. Yeah, should have more stuff coming down the line. Go back. We've got 178 previous episodes you can check out. Everything from, like we mentioned, Great White. Mark Kendall's been on here twice. We've had on... Gene Simmons from KISS. We've had on Bruce Kulik, formerly of KISS, now of Grand Funk Railroad. That's right. Formerly of Michael Bolton, even. There you go. There's Man, some trivia for you going people. way back. Yeah. John Connolly from Seven Dust. Reed Mullen from Corrosion and Conformity. Joey Allen from Warrant. Um, Dave Elfson from Megadeth. That's right. Chris Broderick from Act of Defiance, formerly of Megadeth. Death Angel. Ted Aguilar. That's right. That was a good one. Shooter Jennings, which I guess we could go into next time. Maybe yeah. but we saw Shooter Jennings live. That was awesome. Yeah. This past weekend, Fuck. once again, and as always, he's fantastic. Oh yeah. He had Ted Russell Camp back with him, which is great to see. By God. Yeah. Fat on. If you love Jim Wilson and just good time rock and roll, we've had Ian Moore on his podcast. Yep. Check him out. If you have not, you're missing out on a wide array of great music that that is definitely for sure yeah and then on the flip side for me and more we've had on mark guest scott from trickster i know i that's <laughs> just that's just that's our spectrum we don't give a fuck yeah and then we go technical insane metal with a legion oh yeah you know it doesn't matter why no that's right guys from king fuck yeah king miss may i uh, fucking, he is legend. Avatar. Avatar. Ian Hogland from Europe. So see, we just don't give a fuck. That's right. 
We do give a fuck, but we don't give a fuck about where you lie in the span of rock and roll. That's right. Is what you mean. It's something <laughs> like that, yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, well, maybe we should shut up and get out of here. All right. All right, until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground, y'all.